This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm David Marsland, and this is The Leader. Hello, we're from a working council for public health. You're one of the first few with the mass testing in the local area. Specialist health teams were going door-to-door in Woking this morning, trying to trace anyone who may have the South Africa variant of coronavirus. 150 volunteers in Surrey have been out delivering kits, which were collected later and sent straight to the lab. More are going out in Ealing, Haringey and Merton, where the mutation has also been found. Matt Hancock says he wants to find every single case to stop it gaining a foothold here, but scientists are warning there may be other variants out there that are more worrying. A former chief scientific advisor to the government, Sir Mark Walport, says he's particularly concerned about a South American version. Our political reporter, Sophia Slays, here. Sophia, what's he been saying? It was very, very brief. It was on Times Radio. But he, interestingly, he was he was talking about the South African variant. And then he said, actually, the one that I would worry about more would be the, the one that's emerged in South America. He, he didn't qualify. He didn't give much more detail than that. But I, I guess I've you know I've heard it before from, from you know scientists and, and and others in the know that they are worrying about the next one. It's the next step, the next mutation, the next unknown that they are you know most worried about. And you can see at the moment with the South African variant, we've got a great sort of system of of door knocking people and and tracing people, and they're you know hopefully trying to get on the front foot on that, but. With the Brazilian variant, it seems like a bit of an unknown at the moment. And I've been, you know, I've been asking questions. Uh, you know, I, I submitted questions for our daily briefing with the Prime Minister's spokesman, sort of saying, you know, have you heard of any cases of this South American variant? You know, they sort of said, well, Public Health England is always monitoring the situations and, and the different variants and things like that. And, you know, pressed quite a few times, eventually sort of said, no, I'm not aware of it, but um, it's for Public Health England to identify cases. Obviously, um, I'm asking Public Health England and, and Department of Health if they have heard of any cases of, of this variant in the UK. Um, and I'm still waiting to hear back from them. But this is kind of the the game that we're in now, if I can use that unfortunate phrase. Um, you know, we're in kind of a race against time or, you know, a, a track and trace against time. 
you know, first of all, we had Kent strain, then the South African strain, and, you know, now concerns about this South American variant. And it's all, all three of those strains are thought to be more transmissible. Um, and, you know, flights have been stopped from affected countries and things like that. Yeah, and we can see on the ground how seriously the government is taking this potential emergence of new variations with this surge testing that's taking place in Surrey, in London at the moment, can't we, Sophia? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're physically going round door to door, knocking on people, swabbing people, um, you know, monitoring, you know, physical testing sites down down in these areas. Um, and I saw Matt, Matt Hancock was in the Commons this afternoon and he said they are also looking at um, Bristol and Liverpool, I think it was, um, as well. And that, that what they're really worried about is these, you know, this being detected in the community as a community transmission as opposed to someone who has contracted the virus coming in from abroad or you know traveling internationally and um, so that's what they're really worried about and um, you can sort of hear it in in the ministers this morning um, Michelle Donnell and the university's minister who's on the media around this morning she um, was you know urging people to stay home and particularly in these areas she said you know Obviously, you need to go out shopping, but she said, think twice before you do. Do you really need to go out for that essential shopping or have you got things at home? And you, know, you the government scientists as well. I mean, there was one advisor, um, Professor Andrew Hayward. He's one of the SAGE advisory group members. And he said these cases, these isolated community cases is about what well, there was 11 of them this morning. You know, he said they, they're just the tip of the iceberg. But we do have this huge vaccination program, a million jabs given in London alone, as revealed by the Evening Standard there is a lot that's going on there is a lot that the government does have to shout about yeah they really have and i think kate bingham who's the sort of architect of this plan got quite a lot of stick in the press actually um not long ago for spending on consultants and things like that but actually you know she's she should be lauded for for all this you know that she's achieved you know, you've only got to look at our partners in the EU who've had a, you know, they've been in a bit of a pickle over this the past few days, to say the least. So, yeah, I, I think it's something that, that, you know, we should appreciate and, and nod to the government that they have done a good job on this and they do continue to do a good job. Obviously, you know, there's lots of people, millions of people that are awaiting their second dose and, and you know, we say that, you know, all these millions of people have been vaccinated. You know, they are still awaiting their second dose. Fingers crossed it all goes really, really well. Um, they seem to have everything in hand. Um, you know, I know people that have signed up to be vaccinators and, and plenty of my family, three members of my immediate family um, have, have been vaccinated. So, you know, from, uh, you know, an observer's perspective and a personal perspective, you know, it's, it is an extraordinary feat, really. There's more on this at standard.co.uk now. And I just hear, where is she? Where is she? And um, this was the moment where I thought everything was over. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez hit Instagram for a live broadcast recounting her experience of the Capitol Hill riot last month, in which she also revealed she's a survivor of sexual assault. Oh, by the way, some of the other representatives who actually encouraged people to threaten members of Congress or tweeted out the location of the speaker are now telling me to apologize. These are the tactics of abusers. And how I felt was not again. 
That's generated headlines around the world. Social media is a powerful tool for politicians, but it's also a controversial one. As John Arledge writes in the Evening Standard, there aren't many things Joe Biden and Donald Trump agree on, but curbing the power of Silicon Valley giants is one, and not just your Facebooks and Twitters. John's with me now. John, how much power does big tech have in the States right now? All the tech giants are more powerful than pretty much any companies we've seen before. I mean, people think about big oil or they think about big pharma, but really there's nothing to compare with the scale and reach of of the tech giants. I think the latest figures show that Facebook has about three quarters of, of the adults in the world on its platform. This gives it and the others enormous power. And it's it's difficult to see how they are going to avoid being regulated more strongly because not only do they have this great power, but many people see them misusing that power. And I guess the apogee of that was the storming of Capitol Hill on January the 6th, where many people felt that social media in particular was responsible for radicalizing those activists that stormed uh, Capitol Hill, and also in some cases, um, encouraging them to do what they did that day. So they are hugely, hugely powerful. And their day of reckoning, (laughs) as far as regulation is, is coming, what form it will take let's wait and see but definitely they are going to be more regulated but that's interesting the form it'll take because social media in particular is extremely useful to a politician we saw aoc just last night talking about the capitol riots she's picked up headlines around the world it can be massively influential how do you curb the bad on something like instagram which she was on while preserving the good that can't it must be virtually impossible it is incredibly difficult, which is one reason why nothing has happened yet. But the capital riot has has, has changed the uh, changed the calculus uh, in favour of of action and at least trying to sift the the good from the bad. Um, one way you can do it is to be much more muscular in your moderation and much more muscular in calling out um, untruths. Uh, and in some cases, just banning people who are being totally irresponsible, as um, Facebook and Twitter have done to Donald Trump um, after he decided to tell everyone that the uh, election result was a phony and, and the election was was rigged, which I think we can most people can agree <laughs> would fall into the category of, of just kind of A, wrong and B, irresponsible. So maybe it's in that area where something is either false or irresponsible or both that they can act. But it is difficult. You're right. It would require an awful lot of human moderation, but it's it's going to be difficult. It's going to be very difficult, but it's coming. So there's been a lot of talk about overturning Section 230. Donald Trump spoke about this a lot. We have to get rid of it, he said. It looks like there's pressure on Joe Biden to do the same, and he appears to be quite sympathetic to that idea. John, first of all, what is Section 230? How can overturning that make a difference? Section 230 is the US law, which is the tech company's get out of jail card. It's essentially saying that they are nothing more than notice boards, giant electronic notice boards that um, on which users can pretty much post or do whatever they want. And the tech platform can't be held responsible either for the content or any consequences that flow from it. So that's, for example, an easy to understand example of this is that's why 
if a restaurateur has to close his or her restaurant after a bad review or a series of bad reviews, um, the platform that published those reviews, let's say it's TripAdvisor, can't actually be sued by the restaurateur. They, they just, it's a free-for-all. And I think what has happened uh, definitely lately, particularly around events in Capitol Hill and the election in America, is that because so much traffic on these sites is now political uh, and that has such real-life consequences, many regulators are saying, look, actually, you are publishers, you are like newspapers, you are like magazines, you are like television and radio. You are part of the news uh, um, production uh, machine and you should be held responsible for the content on your sites in exactly the same way as the Evening Standard and all other newspapers and magazines and radio stations and TV stations are held responsible. The Evening Standard, what I'm talking, how I'm talking to you now, we are both, we are all liable, the publisher is liable for anything that we're discussing now to make sure that it's it's kind of decent and legal and I'm not libeling anyone. So uh, those rules do not apply to the tech giants because of Section 230. And I think that, that you'll see that change pretty dramatically. And the, the tech companies acknowledge that this will change. I don't think they're going to fight Section 230. They, they I think, realise that their get-out-of-jail-free card is going to be taken away. So change, it appears, is inevitable. But in the meantime, these companies... I mean, their power is being shown by the huge amounts of money they're making, isn't it? Yes, I mean, the results uh, this week and uh, end of last week show that extraordinary performance, largely due to the fact that we're all at home and using using devices more and more. But also, you know, look at the share prices, they're at or near all-time highs. I mean, the, the, they, are, they are big, these companies. They are very, very rich, these companies, and they're getting ever bigger and ever richer, which again will concentrate minds in the new administration in Washington as how best to make sure that that power is used responsibly. And you can read John's article in the Evening Standard or online at standard.co.uk. And that's the leader. Hit subscribe and you'll never miss an episode released every day at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.